0: And i said I, I met a guy years ago a training and i don't want to get any credit for this because it was his not mine but he had said um he said you know he goes i have a very simple metric he's a supervisor by the way um and we were talking about like when you all men and women are in trouble you know your cops who work for you He's like, when do you decide it's time to actually like really like i hate to say punish but really say like this is i your heart was in the right place but you screw it up versus no I got, i'm going to defend you on this because nothing you do And he said his metric was combined from a few sources, but they basically were, do no harm, do your best, do the job, and don't be a dick.
1: Hey guys, if you missed out on the last conference in Nashville, Tennessee, you don't want to miss out on the next one. It's April 28th through May 3rd, Orlando, Florida, the Gaylord Palms Resort and Convention Center. You made a mistake missing the last one. You don't want that to happen again on this one. Five days of some of the best training you're ever experienced packed into one event. We have an early bird special right now, $50 off. Use 24 early bird on our website, streetcop.com. Look for the conference. Click the link, register today. If you want to get significantly better at this profession in five days, don't dare miss out on the 2024 Street Cop Conference. be a street cop hey guys welcome to this episode of the street cop training podcast i'm your host founder and ceo of street cop training and today we have with us your favorite street cop instructor the legend the man who they travel miles and hundreds of miles to see the most entertaining instructor in our company none other than your favorite tommy brooks
0: i i can tell you that for me when we're talking about um Kind of to your point, we see like one department. I guess it's the old, it's the old saying of the old the squeaky wheel gets the oil. You know, like you have the one department that gets all the attention for saying that maybe they they don't want to do proactive training. You have another department that's kind of getting it. It's funny. The uh I heard uh recently. Did you hear that? You hear the story that the five monkeys. You heard that? Yeah. So I think it's kind of interesting. But essentially, it goes like this: There's uh they're doing an experiment. There's five monkeys, and they put them in a cage. At the top of the cage, they put some bananas and some things that will be attractive to monkeys. So naturally the monkeys start to climb up to get the bananas, and these water hoses activate and blast the hell out of the monkeys. So they're like, what the hell? And they all climb back down, the hoses stop. They go up back to the, to the bananas, the hoses start again, and the monkeys climb down. They learn quickly, don't touch those bananas. You get this a hose to the face. And so every so often, um they a monkey start to go for it, hose and blast. So in the experiment, what they did was they got these monkeys to no longer go for the bananas in fear of the water, but then they take one monkey out, they swap them for a new monkey. But the new monkey doesn't know about the hose equals banana thing. So that monkey starts to go for the, for the bananas and the hose doesn't even have to go on because all the other monkeys grab them, pull them down and go, no, 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 we don't do that. And they start beating the crap out of them. The monkey. like, what are you doing? It's bananas. And they're beating them up. And they swap another monkey and another monkey until one day there's not a single original monkey. So every monkey of the five monkeys that's in the cage has never seen the hose, yet Anytime a new monkey comes in, he goes for the bananas. They grab and beat the hell out of him and go, we don't eat those. But none of them actually know why. It's The practice has been committed that says, we don't do that. But they've, they've stopped the day of actually somebody saying, why don't we eat those bananas? They seem real good. And so I think like, I like the analogy because for me, that's what's happened in police work. We've gotten to a point now where we have all of these sort of rhythms that the community is in, that the perception of police is in, that we ourselves are in. But we defend these things to the death. Like, we don't do it that way. Uh, it's not done like that. But if you actually ask somebody why, it might base back to a, a 1647 action. You know what I mean? Like, I think my department was founded in uh, like 1846 or something like that. It could have been something that happened in 1848 that triggered the five monkeys argument that you did into do last night and no one's thinking anymore. And so I think for me, I say, let's just take a step and look at things in a common sense perception. Why would somebody do this? And honestly, I think nine out of 10 times, my brain just wants to explore it. And I'm like, how could anyone hear about people, I don't know, breaking the law? Like, and I'm not talking like, like a we're trying to prosecute a nine-year-old for stealing a pack of skittles at the corner store i'm talking about how can like a group of individuals like do pack robberies and window smashes and shoplifters and catch them and someone say ah they're just the youth they're only 19. what like, so i don't understand the logic of that and then i can't understand how the cop who found them and investigates these things is under suspicion over the fact that like i don't know he, he, he held them for 30 minutes while they were, they were there. And one of the girls decided to pee her pants while waiting and never told anybody. And they met the cops not offering a bathroom. So it, it, yeah, I get it. That sucked. But it's a, it's a bizarre micro moment inside of a much bigger picture. So when I was talking to somebody recently about it and they were saying like, you know, how do you, how do you weigh the scale? You know? And I had said, I, I met a guy years ago at a training and I don't want to get any credit for this because it was his, not mine, but he had said, um, he said, You know, he goes, I have a very simple metric. He's a supervisor, by the way. Um, and we were talking about like, when you are men and women are in trouble, you know, your cops who work for you. He said, When do you decide it's time to actually like, really, like, I hate to say punish, but really say like, this is I, your heart was in the right place, but you screw it up versus no, I got I'm going to defend you on this because nothing you do. And he said his metric was combined from a few sources, but they basically were do no harm. Do your best. Do the job and don't be a dick, which made me laugh when you were on the Chris Voss uh, podcast. You were saying "If I had one piece of advice to give policing in America. You say just be don't be a dick. It's, it's that easy. And it's funny that that was his thing. And, and by the way, I don't know if you know this. Uh, the term don't be a dick. You know, that's actually a, a like a kind of a term. Have you ever heard about Wheaton's law? No. Uh, Will Wheaton, the actor that kid from Stand By Me. Years later, they had a gaming thing, I don't know, Nerdville, I don't know, 50 million gamers from around the planet all come together to play or whatever, I don't know, probably Metal Gear or something, um, Halo. But at the beginning of the big game on tournament, Will Wheaton was like the MC of it. And he was like, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we're going to begin the gaming soon, you know, fellow nerds. And he was like, uh, I just ask you all to follow a very, very simple law. Don't be a dick. And then it began the term. It was just like a funny thing. So the internet being what it is, obviously memed it. It became like Wheaton's law of social interaction. Like, as if it was like a, this really like heartfelt, like Einstein thought out theory, you know, but it's true. Do your job, get the job done. Do no harm, you know, do it with, with minimum harm anytime you can. Um, do your best, you know, to never, never do the lazy version and don't be a dick. You can check those four boxes. I don't know why anyone's ever in trouble ever.
1: You know, I think that internal affairs should start their investigations with what was the intention here. That's it. So you start with the intention. What happened? This thing's a fucking disaster. Shit really hit the fan. But did this cop show up with the intention of it happening or did he provoke it or did he do something wrong? Or did he intend for this thing to go right and it just went haywire and he didn't have the practical skills or she didn't have the practical skills to solve this situation and went nuts? So what was the intention? And I got to tell you, you know, before my time, I heard the stories of people who had bad intention. So I understand, like, there's one story that comes to my mind. I know a guy who got fired, and I didn't know him. I think his brother still worked with us. And I'm glad they did something about this. It was before I got there. So he's on the side of the road. The guy was already having, like, a lot of complaints. They didn't like, even, like, in the, like, 90s. They did not like his behavior. And um, somebody came up to him and, like, knocked on the window of his patrol car. It was, like, on the side of the highway. And they asked for directions, and he like rolled the window open to people. Was like, there's a fucking payphone over there. Go fucking make your own phone call. Right? Go figure it out yourself. Go, go call, go call the operator and ask them. And like roll the, the window. He failed
0: to do you a job, to do you best, and the don't be a dick rule on my, on my not, I'm not Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, like again, what was the intention there? It's not like he gave them directions, and he meant to give them the right directions, but he sent them the wrong way, and they were complaining. It was his intention was to be a complete asshole. So for internal affairs, I look at a guy like that and go. Yeah. These are the things we're going to ding you on. You're going to come out here and be a fucking dick and you have bad intention. You didn't show up and try to do the right thing. It's very different than somebody who says, "Um, Hey, you know, you had to break the, you know, you broke that window to go into this house. Why did you do it? Well, look, there was a fire alarm going off. I thought I saw smoke. I broke the window. I know the guy's complaining now the window's 400 bucks and we got to pay for it. But you know, in my mind, I was like trying to save their lives. Right. Versus like, well, I was too lazy to try the door. I didn't want to go get back and get the how, but I just thought, like, who gives a shit? It's not my window. That's very right. different than like I was trying to do the right thing and it didn't work out. Versus I, I, and and so that's the rub in this industry is, you know, man, you don't get that at times. What was the intention? And if it was a good intention,
0: that, that's like why you want to hit.
1: Go ahead. we had a guy hit hit like he was like looking for a robbery suspect, like with the spotlight, like like slow rolling. And he hit a parked car because like, he's looking out the window. It's at night. He's like looking o- over his shoulder, like trying to find sure. this guy. And he hit a parked car. And I was, it was when we first got on, I was relieved to see the administration was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Right. Like not, not, not an issue. Sure. Um, that was one time that I thought it was good that they, he wasn't goofing off. He wasn't on his cell phone. Not that cell phones were that big back then. Um, right. <clears throat> cause you couldn't text, you couldn't play. Snake was the only game. Right. 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 Um, there was no smartphone and uh, he had a few cars and they were just like, yeah, like it is what it is. It happens at times. This is part of the business.
0: Do you think that our number one problem and this has to do with internal problems and external problems? I mean, if you were to put a single word on it, you think you'd agree. It's just communication. Like we're either with the community, we're either not explaining what we do or with our department, they're not understanding what you intended. Or in your reports, you didn't explain, you know, the fact you worked anything wrong. I I I swear, i have said before, like when they run the police academies, if I could ever show up one day and this say, All right, Tommy, you can you can you can pick something to change and permanently this is what we'll do. I gotta be honest, yeah, I'd probably start running scenarios that were not only just reality-based, but were actually solvable. Like, and by that I mean instead of saying, All right, you're gonna do this car stop, you know. And, during the training kind of platforms, I'm going to have him do four stops. Um, On the first one, as soon as it says license and register, don't even let him say the word registration yet, just shoot him in the face. It's like, okay, we can agree there's no training value in that. Okay, fine. In the second one, we'll have him pull over the car, and then we'll have a ninja jump off a roof with a sword and hit him in the back. And we'll ding him because he didn't look over his shoulder at one point during the stop. And these are all the training modules. They're these insane things that Say you didn't follow our rule, but it's funny if you actually started putting them in scenarios. We actually said to yourself, "Listen, we are going to have a person that can crazy with this recruit. You know, this recruit shows even a modicum, a modicum of understanding. Doesn't have to knock it out of the park. They know they're training. They're going to suck at it. it. Shows even a modicum of intention to de-escalate this thing with any sort of calm calmness. We're gonna we're gonna have the the role player calm down." And then we're going to have his mother come over and congratulate. Like part of the scenario will be the after effect, you know, mother will come over and graduate. Like, thank you so much. The last time the cops hit, they had to tase him, you know, and, and thank you, you know, and then kind of come in. And then like three days later in the academy, have like a mock commendation, you know what I mean? Say, hey, listen, have uh, mother wrote a nice letter, you know, <laughs> but it's funny. Like if you could sit there and start validating some of the real life stuff we do, because we just don't see it. We just don't see it. Like we, we run the training scenarios and, and we want to challenge them. And I get that. And I remember Kenny had done a podcast, and he had said it once. And, and, and I agreed with it. He said, we run these scenarios in the academy for the worst-case scenario. And I get that you have to do it. But you can't expect someone who's new at something to do top-level stuff. You know, I, 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 I work with cops who have been cops for 15, 20 years. They're the best in, in the country, in the country at this. He involves <laughs> get involved in some crazy-ass scenario, they still fuck up. So you can't expect some recruiters on a second day to get the high-level tactical shit right. Yeah, we introduce it. But what they can get right is the skill of talking to people. Because if that, if that young cop is, if she's 30 years old, he's 30 years old, they've been talking to people for 28, you know? And so that's actually a skill I think they have a better shot at getting. So, yeah, if I had a finger in the academy today, I, I think I, I always start making the scenarios. Get rid of the five monkeys and how we always did it. You know what I mean? I would introduce a new concept on how these patrol reenactments, uh, the practical application, whatever they call them, Uh, Scenarios. I I do them differently. I do them in a way that the whole academy was connected. You know what I mean? Every call you went to would be like a town. I could actually have you screw up a scenario on week four, and we'd have that jotted down. And in week twelve, when you're doing really well in a scenario, I'll have that role player walk in and remember you from that call and start problems for you. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Just bring the world (laughs) together the way it actually happens. Because I mean, I get the academy can't be perfectly realistic, but we should we should try to reward the behavior we later want. Okay, I'll give you an example. I think, I know I've said this before, I don't remember if I said it to you, but I teach at a lot of different police academies uh, here in Massachusetts. Um, I, I see pretty much all of them, unless they're just too far, I just, I'm not driving that far, but I pretty much do all of them. And each police academy, and by the way, the reason I say that is some states, like I you know the state of Vermont, they got one academy. If you're a cop in Vermont, you went to that building, like there is the whole state. So mass, we've got you know a dozen of them. But anyway um i teach at most women and each academy has its own personality and you think well statistically how is it that an entire academy class could be dickheads <laughs> how can another entire academy class be awesome well, statistically how does that happen and we'll say well it's not a statistics game it's a it's a learned behavior game it comes right from the staff and what's funny is when you've got a staff that still thinks they're in the marine corps and they show up to you know they still show up to these academies and they're like you know some poor cop's got a list, you know, and like hey, you, you know, recruit uh, you know, Benson, front of the room. The poor kid's got a list and say, so, All right, here, do me a favor, read roll today. And they they hand us a piece of paper, that has got a thousand S's on it. The poor kid's stumbling on the thing, and everyone class is pissing themselves, laughing. It's their way of like in the Marine Corps, they do stuff like that. You know, they break you down and build you up, you know. They want you to feel like a like a turd, you know. What I mean, it's not valued at anything. And then by the end, you're a killer, you know, and that's the idea. So the police guy is not trying Shouldn't be trying to grind you down to build you back up. From the day you get there, they should be finding a strength and telling you how that—that's your place here. Like not every—not everyone who joins the Marine Corps is going to be a, a soldier in the field. Many of them go on to become cooks and drivers and you know, intel officers. what's well, the same thing with policing. Not people say, "Well, you shouldn't be in the academy. You know, if you can handle the stress of the academy. You're not ready for the job." Listen, we have a lot of jobs. I mean. I know you often say things. You'll know, say like, you know, we can't see what job he's on." I never correct you on it, but you absolutely can because, like, again, yeah, my job's great. There's other support services all around. And let me tell you right now, you know who we need there? Common sense, good people, people who you probably would have scared to death of in the academy if you ran them too hard. So what I'm saying though is, I think that a lot of these paradigms we have to revisit. I'm not saying you let everyone in the in place. Like, yeah, you got to have some physical fitness. Hell yeah, you got to have some mental toughness. Hell yeah, you got to be able to get through the gauntlet, no doubt. But the idea that like some cop. You know can't bench press double their weight you know that they're they're useless here the idea that some cop you know i don't know might admit that they had some fear in their life at one point No, i don't have a problem with that i think that we need to get back to the days of the academies being training grounds When you come in we evaluate you we decided you seem like a piece of shit. <laughs> i don't think we want you you seem like a really kind-hearted person we'll teach you the tactics all the stuff you seem like a good person. And I think if we get a few more of those out in the world, I think we'll be doing better. You know, one of the, one of the analogies I've used in my class is I say, you know, there's, there's two, there's, there's an honor game reference here, but I'll say there's two doors, you know. The door on the left is the most adorable bunny you've ever seen in your life. And if you, if you see it, take a video of it, you get 50 billion hits on Instagram. You'll be overnight, you know, famous because you, you this, what this bunny's doing is so cute. And behind that door is a body duct taped to a, a chair with the head missing and there's a note on the table you get to read the note pick a, pick a door you can only pick one and i say and you go into a, a room of police trainees and i say which door do you choose And 99% of them choose the headless guy i think it's a it's a it's a case study on two points and i say first of all you realize most of the world would choose the bunny right it's like the bunny makes more sense it's adorable like it's great this is the head you. but what's crazy about it is after I point out that, and they're all kind of like laughing. Oh yeah. You know, cause we choose the head. I chose the bloody head. I'm one of those. And I'll make a joke and say, yeah, if you took this job, it's cause you're a, you're not a bunny guy, right. Or a bunny girl. But then I point out and say, then how many of you guys, if I gave you a chance to think about it for a second, would go back and change your answer and choose the bunny door. You say to yourself, yeah, you know what? I think I chose the headless door just because I felt like I'm a cop. I'm in a training room in front of other cops. I feel like I was supposed to choose that. But yeah, actually, if you ask me honestly, a bunny. And I give it a chance. If I have a class of 50 people, I've never had less than seven people raise their hand and go, i change. Fuck it, I'm a bunny guy. (laughs) I've never had less than seven. To which I then confess, I'm a bunny guy. And I love this job. And listen, I don't think they come more macabre than me. I mean, listen, I love a good headless man, duct taped to a chair, note next to it on the sofa. I I love it. I love it. I I took this job because I'm made out of broken pots. But given an honest choice, like say, well, what do I want to do tonight? I think the bunny would be pretty cool.
1: You know, the first thing is not going to be the point that I wanted to make, but you provoked a story that I remember being a recruit in my third academy. We had a guy who is a fantastic human being. And you knew his downfalls as a recruit in the academy, but he stuttered. And he didn't stutter all the time just when he was nervous. So when they called on him in the academy, he got nervous. So he'd start to stutter. And, dude, I can't tell you how many instructors – would come in and make fun of him. And we knew how much of a good dude this guy was, you know, albeit he wasn't the superstar there. And I don't think we realize how unprofessional we are until we leave the profession and look back on it. I like, think when you're in it, you're like, oh, that's funny. I remember being like offended. And I got to tell you, I have an older brother who is handicapped uh, significantly. People know that if you listen to the podcast and he that, yeah. stutters. Yeah, he, stu- he stutters heavily, big times. always stuttered. And I've watched my brother get made fun of his whole life. And he's really, this is just a guy with a stutter. My brother's like significantly disabled, sure. and you know I just thought like, what a fucked up thing. This guy is one of us. He's in here. He's gonna graduate, and he stutters when he's nervous. And every fucking instructor that's supposed to be teaching us and how to act comes in here and makes fun of this twenty-five-year-old kid who just stutters when he gets nervous. And it, it's just like it was just fucking horrible. And I felt what bad. And you're every teaching
0: single- that academy class on how to be great at this job. Like, you want to be an alpha on this job. Make fun of, make fun of the week. You know what I mean? Not even the week, but like,
1: dude, like you talking about another cop here. You're not even talking about this graduate guy's gonna graduate. To the
0: challenge. Yeah. Find it, find something you can exploit and make fun of it. The hundred percent true.
1: So that was one thing you reminded me of, but yeah, well,
0: that's why I was saying, I use the Academy as a reference. Cause like, let's say I'm playing some video for whatever. Let's say it's a, it's a gang slash, right? I'm playing a video and in the background, and again, just, I'm not picking on one group or another here, but hypothetically, let's say there's a real fat guy in the background, just, just as things are going, just a, like an obesity, you know, heavy person, right? And It's just a person in the background. I'm not playing the video for that purpose. I'm, I'm showing it for a different point. Okay, fine. There was a, a very, very heavy individual in the background. In the good academies that have good leadership in the, in the, you know, the trainers and the instructors and all this stuff, it's funny that I'll play the video and they all we all then talk about the point of my video. The other academies, it's funny that that'd be the video I play. and Some recruit right in the middle of class turns around, like, ha! hey, it's Smitty, that's you. Right in the middle of class, really causing me to sit there and think, okay, one, like you're a in a class, who are you to just interrupt a video I'm playing? Two, why would you just call out your classmate and for an unrelated non sequitur reference inside of a video? Which, even the point I was playing, I was like, hey, it's a video about a heavy person. This is a video about something else I'm playing. It's having to be a heavy guy in the background. And then, where the hell is your brain at? Where you believe that? But what's funny? I realize you know why they do it. They do it for me. He thinks he thinks that when the video's over, I'm like, hey, hey, recruit, what's your name? Uh, recruit Bartlett. Hey Bartlett, dude, you remind me of me. Like that's why I, I joke. And you've seen my you've seen my presentation. I make it a, a habit. Of, I at one point within the first fifteen minutes, I make a joke about being a giant pussy. I, I say, guys, listen. I'm a giant. I always say, I'm made out of real big pots. You know what I mean? God made me six free and a couple hundred pounds. Like, sure. Make no mistake. Your smallest cousin, who's under 12 years old, could whip my ass. And it gets, it laughs. And then throughout the thing, I'll play some videos, some of which are scenarios that get a little hairy, you know? And you'll watch it, you know, wrestling some guy with a gun in his hand. I'll get a video of it. does not, I'm talking about that. And I'll play it for the clip. And my point of playing is the things the kid's yelling, you know, during the stress of it, right? But then I'll joke, i like, by the way, don't watch that video and think for a second, that was interesting to me. I shit my pants. And I didn't shit my pants, but I'll I'll be really self-deprecating because it works better. And now that you know that cop who paid to come to this training, who's 115 pounds, you know, or that cop's a training who's 315 pounds. Because if they go, all right, you know, I'm not the toughest, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not known for my boxing skills, but I could be successful too. And that's very empowering. Again, like a lot of my, my presentations, meant to be empowering. The whole design of the gun game, the whole design of it, is that it starts off like I think everyone knows the memes. You know, I always do my classes. The memes, the memes. That's it. But the, each meme is a is a lesson that there's a gun here. And as I play them, the memes pop right up in the videos. And by the end of the class, I'm playing videos. it's Thirty people there. People are like he's got the gun. Yep. He didn't show it. There's no memes. Nothing. But you've watched it throughout. It's it's made for building and training. It's made to I don't have to break you down and build you up. I just meet you where you're at and build you up from there. You know? That's the idea. Every other profession does They think when you go to become a doctor, they tell you you're a giant asshole and a turd and a fucking, who, who, who's, who studies and has, has bad diet and terrible teeth so that you can then, they can then work on making you a better doctor. No, they don't do that.
1: I do, I, I, as we're sitting here, I just, I, I haven't, this, again, I said this before, this is the longest I haven't seen you in person in a long time. I always have a lot of love for you, dude. You really, you really, I'm just thankful that, we're friends and colleagues, and you know I don't think you work for me. I think we work together. 100%. And you know I, I I don't think that's the case. I'm I'm just I'm thankful that that we're together, and I'm doing the best I can over here. I want to convey that, and I I I constantly over iterate that because I think sometimes it gets lost a little bit because I'm not constantly calling people and saying hello and that, 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 But just know that.
0: I disagree. I give yourself a little more credit. <laughs> I got to be honest, yeah. I don't know of Anyone I've ever worked with or for who actually has even bothered to take the time—I would say that I could almost send a watch. That every, I'd say, generally never more than three months. You don't have some kind of a meeting or a direct text just to me or something saying, "Listen, I, I just want to make sure we're touching base and trying to communicate. If you have any questions about the things we're doing." So, now I i think you go out of your way to do it. I mean, because I think you know that sometimes you're going to make a decision for the company. If you know, All right, I got to do this. And I got fifty people training for me. Six of them are gonna hate this. So I, you know what? Forty-four, I don't have to worry about. I got six people who I have to go pamper them and get some. I go buy some baby powder and get ready to explain to them that just because you show up into a class, there's a little more happening behind the purple curtain. Oz really does have a lot of gears and he's moving back here, you know. And so it's I, I get it. Well, you know, I run my own business here. I'm I'm a mini street cop. I'm a non-successful version of it, you know.
1: <laughs> to your successful stuff.
0: smaller arms, less hair. I am i am literally, if we were like the movie Twins, I'm Danny DeVito. No doubt about Get the that. fuck
1: out of here. <laughs> well, dude, your earlier question to me was what do you think the biggest problem in this industry is? And so you already explained it. And we can start nitpicking things like they got to fix things at the academy, they got to fix leadership, they got to fix management, they got to fix this. What it all boils down to is the reason why we do what we do. And it's one thing and we have an opportunity to really really have an impact in this and it's training. And that's what frustrates me the most is we have these 4 to 6 months at the inception of somebody's career where we get to mold the future and create a fantastic product and we ship out junk constantly. And then we expect that junk to function. It's like it's like having a like I don't know if you know who uh, what's the guy's name? Something Deming. So it's the something Deming award in Japan. And he, essentially he went to all the automakers in the uh, auto industry, I think in the 60s or the 70s, Charles Demings, something like that. So it told the American automakers, and he says, hey, look, you guys are making cars that don't work well. And the reason is because these parts really, you know, you guys take a part, you see if it fits. If not, you throw it in the fucking bin. And, and we can actually fix this. If we just stop the assembly line for 24 hours, We every time we find a problem with this, we can stop it and we can fix this and if we fix enough of this we can make cars that last forever They're going to be a better car than japan and toyota and 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 honda all these cars would be better and nobody wanted to hear it nobody wanted to stop the assembly line they didn't need to so he took that idea and went to japan and everybody in japan listened to him and so now years later right after they started implementing the uh, edwards deming i think is his name this process they call the deming's process they came out with these Hondas and these Toyotas in the 70s and the 80s that were so much better of a car than the Fords, the Buicks, the Mercurys here, and the Chevys, that they disrupted the entire American car industry. So that's why Toyota and Honda were such a good car for so many years. And it was so hard for American automakers to make up for it. So what we're kind of like that. Like, hey, we can fix this if you're willing to listen. We don't want to listen. Well, we'll go to those who do listen. It's just it's just interesting why nobody cares, but if we can take the the training process and they just listen and are willing to listen and willing to change things, and it's my job to put stuff out to give them ideas on how to change, we have to work together. And you know sometimes I think about how I communicate this. It probably frustrates and ruffles feathers at times. I could probably communicate it in a better in a, in a better way than I typically do, but we can fix a lot of this. And essentially, it comes down to even at the academy level, if you gave us an opportunity at the academy level to show you what actually needs to happen. And I've said this before. I, would, I could literally remove 90% of the academy BS, and I could find 20 weeks of things to watch on YouTube that will create at least a better human being 20 weeks later. And that's still better than what you gave them on the current curriculums. Right.
0: Well, what's funny is they're, they're trying to go in that direction, but even the way they're now doing it is being sold and corrected. So say, all right, listen, we want to do some more programming in the academy and de-escalation all this stuff, which for the record, I'm a huge advocate of. But what does a de-escalation class look like? It, it looks like cops coming in there, uh, in, my, in my view, it would be cops coming in there and showing some videos of things that didn't work. <laughs> here's, here's some of them real bad, you know? And then showing other ones what they did. And then talking about like things and giving examples of real life. Hey, in your life, how's this worked? I mean, Christ, you can, I, I and again, just to bring up Chris Voss, because I just did the, uh, I just listened to the podcast you did with him. And it's funny, like, just what he talks about, listen, you could, you could, you could do four hours of his audio book and learn more about communication than they'll do, but it, the, in, in the way they're doing it, because the way they'll do it is they'll just hire some civilian come in who's not a cop and they'll walk in and they'll talk about, de-escalation from a very meta mind version. We're talking about things like, you know, what's it, uh, like, you know, CB or whatever, uh, all, all the, the brain function, you know, one of the funniest conversations I've ever had with somebody, uh, was years ago. They were talking about, uh, it was one of the police shootings that you know, it wasn't, it wasn't good. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't good. And to your point from earlier, he didn't have no bad intention. He just, he just panicked in this moment. And what he saw made him more fearful than it might've made, you know, someone else. But the moral of the story was the person I was talking to was talking about how the, the kid that they shot, how what it was is the kid had a gun and he had the gun in his hand while running and he just wasn't throwing it. And so the cop was chasing him, he was chasing him, drop it, drop it, he wasn't dropping it. And then the cop shot him. And the cop felt he was about to be turned around on. That was his instincts. But you replayed the video like in super duper micro slow motion, like the kid never really turned, but you know, in running, bodies go a little left, right, whatever. The kid's perception was he was turning, he shot him, We'd give him a long warning. The person arguing with me over it, I wasn't arguing. I should just say the person who just <laughs> felt that because I happen to share the same employment, we must be the same person, right? Um, so while they were punishing me for this, their opinion on this cop's action, uh, they were saying this. Yeah, that that young man was only 21 years old. And I was like, okay, why? Wh- okay, and they went into this whole thing about how the brain's not developed until you're 24. There's the no science on it. I can send you links and research on this. I said I, I'm thinking in my head. I don't want to be in this conversation this far. I, I definitely don't want further communication. I give you my email. But as they're going on about this, it's funny. I, I ended up just, just for shits again. Was I? I ended up looking it up real quick. You know how old the cop was? The cop was twenty-three. And I laughed and I thought, ah, <laughs> you want this young kid to be completely innocent of not understand the concept of drop the, the fire on your unlawfully carrying, running in the middle of a foot chase with a cop. And you're thinking that kid, not 24, didn't understand the point of that. And shit, the cop who's responsible for apprehending, putting his hands, I, you know, I don't know how many people listen to this podcast have been in a mortal combat moment, like where you're physically grabbing a person who has a gun. <laughs> and this isn't like a person who's just like, oh, I found this and you're like gone and you tackle him. This is a person who's, been identified as the criminal in the scenario and is now fleeing from you and you don't know what is on their history list of their menu. And like I said, I'm not a tactics guy. I made that very clear in all my classes. I don't get into tactics, but I'll tell you, I am very, very sympathetic. I'm very sympathetic to every cop who's in every scenario because I've been in every possible scenario as well. And I'll tell you, like nothing goes the way you think it's going to go. Remember when you were a kid? And there was uh and I I don't even need to know you personally, I know this will apply because you're you you were a young boy at one point. Tell me you didn't have some dude in the neighborhood who gave you track you know crap at one point, right? And you 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 were laying in bed or sitting in class, you fantasized about about if, when you're in a fight with him, what would happen. Tell me in that fantasy, every time you didn't hit this dude with a punch and he dropped. And you got the knockout moment and the entire class stood up in applauded. Oh my God, Bonino with that right hook. I'm talking about that right hook in, in your mind. Everyone fantasizes a fight like that. And then you end up in a fight with the kid, right? Two weeks later, the dude finds you outside the school. All right, here it goes. And you lay him on square in his chin. And he doesn't give a crap. He then gets a hold of you and hits twice as hard. And it, it's just reality and fantasy are not the same. Like Rizzo said in one of the speeches once, magic is not real, right? And I can tell you, like, I think that what happens is the world operates on fantasy, how they imagine how good they'd be. You know, that's the whole thing with the Dunning-Kruger. You know? the, the, the more you know about something, the less confident you might be good at it. The less you know about something, the more confident you might be good at it. When people say, oh, why didn't they shoot the gun out of his hand? Because they imagine that they would be a marksman if they were to fire a gun. They don't realize how hard it is. They they've never been in Mortal Kombat. They don't know how hard that is. And so, like I said, I'm not advocating one or the other, but I'm just saying this. Cops who do this job. If you get the old generic, they put their lives on the line and they do this job every day. That's true. That's true. Let's be a lot more specific. They're making micro decisions that the average person would fail at. You know, I've done the math on it. You know, it's it's like if you sit and say, you know, a million cops or law enforcement, constables, sheriffs, all the people who do this job. There's a million of them in America, just America. And then you say they do average of 300 shifts a year. You know, with overtime and court. Sure walking around, they could pick a fight with any of 50 people during a shift. Easy number would be 50. I mean, I walk into a convenience, store. there's 12 right there, you know. Any one of which, like, hey, you, show me your hands. You put that number at 50, and you put that to 10 years, it's 300 billion. 300 billion contacts. So in the last 10 years, how many do you think we've really screwed up? <laughs> a baker's dozen? A baker's dozen out of 300 billion. There's not a company with that level of a success rate, but we don't have good PR. It brings me back to my point: communication. If we could only communicate our successes, only communicate that when you have that cop in insert state on the other side of the country, and some cop does some craziness with some 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 kids running unarmed, country just shoots them six times in the back. And you're like Jesus Christ. Where every cop in America is like, oh, dude, you just did. You just made my next three months filled with protests and headaches. Here, right? We don't want it either. If you could just somehow sell to the world, that was an outlier. Like that, like he's going to be responsible. She's going to be responsible for that. I, I promise, you know. And then they they grab the cop, and they put him in jail. and The hungry masses are still not satisfied. They need more blood. So what do they do? They find that random cop who was looking around for robbery suspect, and bumped into a parked car. You know, to use your point from earlier. Ah, you ah, he screwed up. You know, we're going to hold cops responsible. Let them know that these bumpkin cars won't be tolerated. You know. And it's it's wild if you think about it. I'll give it. I'll give you a quick example. Um, they did a thing here, and um, just kind okay, of on a national scale, but where they have the civilian review boards, you know, will come through, and you know whether it's a version of post or whatever it is in your state, but they'll come through and they say that we want to evaluate your internal affairs things, kind of like an audit, if you will. Now I completely support this. Why not? Go for it. let, let them. That's what they should be doing. They shouldn't be responsible for the investigation. But yeah, absolutely, transparency. Let them audit. But what's funny is, I, I, I was asked my opinion, and I'm not high enough ranking where anyone cared. But um, I said, I really, really hope, and I sold this to everyone I could above me, saying, please make this happen. I said, can you only let them review cases blind? They can't know our outcome on it. See, they wanted the ones that we found not responsible so they could review them. Now, I'm, I'm good at math, um, but uniquely good at math. And I can tell you right now, like I'm thinking of a statistics class to say, if you give a person who believes if i believe there's a problem in that room and then i walk in that room and i say give me a hundred cases from this room and i think you're not doing them right i'll find a bunch that i would flip because my metric only goes from a to z now these are the only cases you've given me so i'll scale them in comparison only to each other remember these are ones we cleared so i'm only looking at the good cases and then i go okay well this 70 percent here Maybe you're right, but these 30 should have been responsible because on the metric from A to Z, these were the 30 of the 100 that were the worst of the 100. But they're not looking meta on this and going, but those 100 were all good. So I said, if you want to do it, give them the cases, but don't tell them how we found Because it'd be great if they went, all right, case number 3819, we would have found them responsible. We go, oh, good. So did we. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. then on case number 1264, we probably would have cleared them on that. So did we. And it'd be amazing if they did 100 cases goes, wow, we came up with the same numbers. Maybe you guys are all right. And I, so it's funny, but we don't. We, we, and I, I don't know what my job's doing. Again, I'm not in that sphere. And again, I have a lot of faith in my job. Um, we don't have the headaches a lot of jobs do. Um, things aren't always perfect, but they're as good as they can be, I believe, for a major city police department. I mean, a major, major city. But with that, I say like if we could just start selling the common <laughs> sense of these things and say, look, can you just just give us a chance to explain? And I think that they come around. You know, I think one of the greatest, you had uh, the, the Sheriff Clark, uh, you know, at the conference this past year, you know. I think, I mean, I, he's a famous, you know, sheriff. I think he's famous for me. For he was the one who came on after a lot of like the, you know, the riots, and protests were going on. He was the one who came out and said, listen, if you have a problem with this job, I will hire you. And I remember thinking like, that was the most poignant answer to that ever. Like, Talk about putting people in a self on, like he's saying, "I'll put a badge on you tomorrow. You come do the job, that's right? You would have done it differently. I will pay you. Quit your job. I'll pay you more to work for me. Put on a badge. I will hire you. We'll send you through the training, and you do it. And you tell me if you agree with this a year from now. And no one's going to take him up on it for the most part. But he's right, and I think that that's why. And for me, that's how I first heard it. But that was the the viral like, the guy's finally saying what? And um, I do. I just think that if people could see us. And, and realize like, oh wow you made a joke once you said you know people meet you out in public because you're obviously one of the most i would say notoriety based police related individuals in the country you know what i mean I, i'd probably probably in the top 25 in the country like recognizable cop face, right and uh you'll see people meet you out they're like they're like you're a celebrity oh my god it's you i, I heard you say it once you go to be clear guys like you imagine a celebrity thing but you know i'm gonna go home and pick up dog turds in my yard today like and bitch about it, you know what I mean? Because like, uh, whatever, you know, the kids aren't helping. And what's funny is that couldn't be more true on the big scale. People look at the cops here. They've been trained in that. How, how can you mess that up? Like, You're supposed to have training in that. And yeah, We did have training in it, which means I did better than probably you were. But it still sucked. The scenario was nuts, and it didn't work out. And if you have such a reliance on training, then why aren't you trusting my training? Trust that the training took me as far as it could be, and there is no... There was no solution there, you know? And that's what I think a lot of people can't understand is that we do a job that often doesn't have a solution. It's, it's, it's the, you've, you've entered the suck. And now the question is, how can you mitigate the suck? And something's going to lose. Something's going to lose. Whether it's, I don't know, the scenario is we're not going to solve it. Or the scenario is we're not going to, you know, from a priority standpoint, we're not going to get to your call in the time you want. We're gonna have some kind of a thing that you'll determine to be a loss, but we will have triaged that as best we can. And then, when you come after the police and say, "I can't believe how bad you are," what's your decision on that? <laughs> we want to start training you, non-cops. Now, that was a that was a thing I think I it was on Facebook the other day or Instagram the other day. I said, "When doctors' actions are called into question, are they investigated by people who are not doctors asking for a friend?" You know, and. They're not. You know, if a doctor does a surgery, something screws up. They have other doctors review it. Why? Because the, com- the country has faith that doctors are trained, they're professionals, and they're honorable. And I think that if we could get ourselves in that baseline position of getting the world to understand that we are, we are trained, we are professionals, and we are honorable, then they'll, they'll, they'll get that faith back. And I think there'll be a lot of progress to go from there.
1: Hey guys, follow us on all social media platforms to so include Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook group. We have so much information going out every single day and we don't want you to miss out on any of that stuff. So check it out. Go give us a follow. You know, I, I'm going to say a few things. One is anybody who's hung up on, should I train more? Think about the variable of, should I train more? Go to the training. What if I find anything good to the training? What did you find the best thing you ever had in your life at the training? And I'm, you're not thinking long-term if you're not going to get trained. I mean, I say this, not because I benefit from you choosing to go to training, because I pay a lot every year for professional development. I really do. I talked about it yesterday in the podcast. I actually gave a number of a group that I'm a part of and what the monthly fee is just to go to these meetings with these people who are better than me. So I I drink my own Kool-Aid. But when we train more, we increase our odds of success. And when we don't train, we decrease our odds of success. It's just that simple. People say to me, How did Shree Cop get this way? Every day I'm in books and podcasts listening to those who have built things that look like this, and that they help me avoid some of the pain of hard lessons of trying to grow a business. And it's fucking painful. That's why it's important for you to choose your pain. Are you going to choose your pain in the small financial investment and dedication of time now? And I think sometimes about these men and women who have suffered prosecution have been put through the system, have been put through the psychological hell of being charged criminally. And I think about especially that one woman in the Minneapolis area who accidentally shot that guy on the side of the road, right? Yeah. There was not – what was the intention there? She didn't want to kill him. And I could just – and I don't know. I'm not trying to paint some scenario. But I look at that and I say, how much training, if we went into her training records, do you think she actually had? Do you think that this is a person who was taking this job and treating it with the seriousness it deserves to continually train every year and be professional as a police officer? She's in her 29th year. It reveals to me that this is probably somebody not who, who wasn't training a lot. And I don't mean training in just like tactics. I'm saying overall training. Not and so man. when you agree to not, Choose yourself, and wait for the agency to send you to something, or be forced to take things. And you're checked out of this job. Just don't forget: on the other side of that is a stark reality that you might pay some real significant fees. Yeah. And in, for her case, I think she went to jail for 18 months. Yeah, that's, that that's not fun, dude. And I, and again, we understand who she is. She wasn't a bad person. She made a mistake. No her Intention was not to kill that guy. And let's face facts. There has been one conversation of, you know, had that guy just complied, he would not be dead at this moment, but he decided to disobey the police. I'm not saying that there isn't some responsibility on her side, but not the responsibility sure. that commanded 18 months in jail. You know, I don't think that was the, necess- the necessary. That was just to appease. You know what, though? I can even
0: jump in with you right there. So, but that this is just another example of the suck. You know, it's not even a question of what's right or wrong. <clears throat> it was going to be bad either way. You put her in jail for 15 years. It, just, it doesn't make sense. You, you, tell, you tell the family of the, of the gentleman who passed away in that, that there's no penalty because she didn't mean it. That's not good. So my point is, this is a perfect example of this is just another piece of the suck of this job. There are some scenarios that once something went wrong, I, there is no putting the toothpaste back in the tube at this point. And so I think it's just a great example of, like, of that. And I tell you, like, I'm an optimist. I really am. I'm not, I'm not a fake optimist. I don't do the presentations. And I, I dance around, you know, just walking through my arm, just you know, sprinkling willows as I run through the fields and stuff like that. But I really am an optimist because I believe that it's gonna get better. I, I believe we're already at the point of the of the dip. I think we're pretty close to the bottom. Like if this would if 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 respect for law enforcement, if the success of law enforcement was a stock market uh, ticker page, I think we're at the Baseline dip right now. I think it's time to buy. I think it's buy time right now in policing. I think that you're going to start to see now it's not going to get a return. It's going to be a combination of a few things. I think a lot of people are starting to realize that a lot of the anti-policing movement it didn't help anything. It just, no, there's no city that's better from it. I mean, I'm not saying, saying you, you have failed policies because I am not political. I am absolutely not political. But I'll tell you this. There's, there's none of those policies that can say, oh, that fixed it. So I'll tell you, of all the, all the things we've tried in American history, that's another thing we tried. I don't think it worked. I don't think anyone would argue it did. Some people might argue you didn't commit hard enough to it. I don't know. There's always an argument for something. But what I'm saying, though, is that I think that policing is on its way back. I think the respect for it is on its way back. And I think it's because policing is now finally taking a little self on ourselves. We ourselves are saying we need more training. Yeah, we 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 are we failed at this. In fact, I, I remember I used the analogy before, but you know my father's a, a decorated Vietnam vet. You know he's a couple purple hearts. Um, he's a silver star, bronze star, and um, I think one silver. I think maybe one, maybe two bronze. But I mean, wildly, like you know he was in the first Cav during the Tet Offensive and um, and all this. When he came home, and he doesn't talk about. My mother tells me the stories, but you know when he came home, like they were very shy. They didn't come back to to parades, if you're a hero, and they walked around like celebrities. It wasn't like that, they just came home. And then they just kind of like went to parties or in corners, these busy groups made them suspicious. And my dad wasn't broken by, he's a very, very mentally strong guy, and he went on to have a great life, no worries. But The point is, there was no celebration of him. In fact, if anything, there were protests calling these guys baby killers. Mm-hmm. 40 years later, my dad lives in Florida, right? He lives in a place called The Villages. And I can tell you that when you go there throughout The Villages, you have parking, and then close to the door is handicap parking and even closer to the door, a purple spots. And you have to have a purple hot plate proving you're an actual, not just you said it, you've actually shown paper to the, uh, to the DMV. And my dad's so obviously has the purple hot plate going out, but my dad parks closer to handicapped people. So they went from being baby killers. You suck. And 60 years later, 50 years later, to he gets special parking for something he did 50 years ago. And so I think the world is going to do that for us. I think that in 2040, the year 2040, people are going to talk to someone like uh, there's some young cops with three years on right now, four years, six years on right now and go, dude, you were a cop in 2020? What was that like? I heard that people could run into the streets, steal anything they want in the buildings, and they actually light your cruisers on fire. And then they said, don't prosecute, them, just let them go. I, I heard that. I heard that when they had protests, and, and the people they did, they arrested 30, 40 of these people. I heard the district attorneys of those areas null process them in the morning and dismissed it out of Raymond. Just said, it's not worth the headache. So they all came out again. And it went on for two years because no one picked up that that was the problem, that when you don't punish the kid for not eating his broccoli, he'll never eat broccoli. You know, and what's crazy is like, that happened? Is that a real story? And I think cops are going, go, yeah, yeah. And then they're going to go off into a world that, that has respect for them. I, I think... Why did it work for the Vietnam vets? Why isn't the Vietnam vets who were baby killers then heroes 50 years later? And the reason is they haven't killed anybody in Vietnam in 50 years. So people are trying to forgive. Policing doesn't have that benefit. We can't go 50 years with no crime. We can't go 50 years with no police mistake. So we have to find a way to sell ourselves in a manner where people understand that, where they say, "We lessons have been learned. We're on the team of the fix. You mentioned before about uh, something with policing and things you said, doing it together. And you were right on point. When they do these protest let's say there's some shooting uh some bad scenario in again. i don't want to pick on a particular state so just other state in america and they want to have a protest in the streets of boston for it i wish they wouldn't ask us to come i think they'd be surprised we'd go with them you know hey we want to march in the name of justice we'll go with you we want justice we're the same team yeah we're not saying that the cops did anything right there's anything wrong but hell yeah we'll join you we are not them like it's so funny they'll sit there and point you go you're a cop so that means that you are, and they'll list all the bad things you are. Like, dude, we just met. Like, I'm, I'm a dude who's going to go home and pick up turds in my yard today, you know? And what's funny is, why do you hate us? You know what? You know why they hate us? They hate us because they think that we look at the community, this is very ironic, and judge them. And that's the irony of the entire scenario. It's like, you think that we judge people and therefore we're hateful. So you blindly judge us in a hateful manner. I, I don't even see how anyone can get the logic behind that. But here we are. So. I think it's time to stop bitching about it on our end and start saying, what's the fix? And as I said before, I believe it's getting better. I believe we're currently on trajectory to the fix. If is a stock market, I think it's buy time. And I think that if I was given the choice to join this job now, or you know, 25 years ago, as I did, I think that, I think that it'd be better to join it now with an in, in inherit this insanity and be part of that fix than to have like the last five years of guys my age have had. It wasn't like this for a long time. (laughs) The end of my career has gone wild, you know? And as you see this faster time, it's all the the, other bad that comes with it, you know?
1: I think the reason why you may want to join it now is because of the resources that are available. The internet has made us available to you, other training companies available to you, giving you different perspectives. And one of the nicest things I get back on this podcast, and I get it often from a lot of people, hey man, I listen to the podcast every night, Not only did you change the way I do police work, you've literally changed my life. So that's why I show up to do this thing multiple, multiple times a week. And earlier you said, I think there's hope. We don't have a choice, but for there to be hope. So embrace the fact that cops will always be here. And if you're hopeless doing this job, it's probably not a good idea for you to be in this job. I agree. Because you have to show up with the intention of hope And every little piece of hope that we put out there and every little piece of good work that we do drives that hope needle forward. And I'll be honest with you, me personally, obviously I'm very compassionate and empathetic towards police officers, but I think more than ever, people have had enough of the bullying of the police. And I think that cops, I talk to a lot of cops, are getting a lot of support. And the crazy shit is, you can tell where they're the most loved because that's where, you know, you're in our Facebook group. Where do people always ask who's hiring when we see it in the queue? I can't approve all of them because it just gets nuts. There's there's three states where people want to go: Florida, Texas, Tennessee. It's all we hear in the group over and over again. Florida number one, Texas number two, and then Tennessee. So why are they fleeing to these states? Is because the residents of Florida have said we like the cops here. If the rest of the and dude, I really believe I watched. I was watching Northwoods Law the other day. It's the only cop show I'll watch because I find it very interesting because I don't know how they investigate like the massacre of deers and shit. Right. So I always, I know a lot of those guys now it's quite comical. Uh, so I find it interesting, but you know, you see these guys working in these remote areas of like where you are, the new England, that's where most of it's filmed. And they have such a great relationship with the community. So you're telling me that the whole world hates the cops. I Every time I talk to a Boston guy, I'm like, yo, do people like, like the cops in Boston? And they're like, yeah, they do. Yeah. They, they like us here, you know? And then you meet guys from the NYPD. Not every part of New York hates the cops. If you go to Staten Island, which is one of the five boroughs, yeah. well, I'm telling you, my whole family lives there. I mean, half the fucking place has blue ribbons tied around trees. My uncle, who like pretty much in his retirement, hangs out at 7 Eleven, just waits for the opportunity to buy NYPD cops coffee and thank yeah. them. And he's a guy who's a uh recovery. He actually still does work with people who are just coming out of jail and prison, recovering from narcotics addictions. That's what he does. He's been clean for like forty sure. years, and this is a guy who sit hangs out with these guys, and anytime he gets out, he loves the cops, and like everybody in my family does, and they, they just can't talk enough about them as NYPD on Staten Island. Um, so, you know, it's it's a tough thing to try to figure out.
0: But you're think- right, it, it's hope, but you're right, it's hope. I mean, we have, we have to have it. it's hope, it's faith, it's all those things. Like I said, it, to believe that there's gonna be. A, sun, a, a sunrise, you know what I mean? There's going to be a moment where people, and I think it, it has begun. I think where people start to realize, we, and I think you keep saying it, and, you, and you're right, cops are always going to be here. Like, the abolish the police concept, in and of itself, you have to recognize is insane on its premise. There has to be, I mean, every, every yard, you know, it has to have a, a border determined. You know, every, every school has to have a, a teacher and a principal that controls order. There's always some order and so someone has to enforce that order there's never going to be rules people go, "Hey, here's all the rules in society please keep follow them and just trust that the world will so you're right there's always going to be cops so the question isn't how do we abolish the police and the question isn't as the cops how can we insert our domain and the question i think is no longer the whole it's all about community policing and that's become just a tagline now like people just say like our mission is community policing So okay well what are you doing about that they're like the like self-park episode, you know, like you know, we steal the end of pants, middle phase, profit. How'd you have to profit? Phase two. They never say what it is. I think the idea has to be an actual commitment to doing this together. Like I said, inviting the community into more, the community inviting us into more. Every time they do one of these protests, the one thing I'd love to see is to just invite the police with you. You you'd be shocked how much we will agree with you on stuff, you know. Yeah, we agree that that, you know, when. When, when young inner city kids are being killed, we agree that that is bad. Yeah, it turns out we've actually dedicated our lives and, and, and often our safety to combating that thing. We're in a complete agreement about that. Hey, there was a, a scenario where I went with a cop and the kid pulled out a gun, didn't drop it. The cop had to shoot him. Yeah, we agree that's part of the suck. We agree that's a terrible scenario. Let's work together. What would you do to fix that? We will employ that and we will show you why there's certain things we can't do. It turns out we can't fly. You know what I mean? It's something it's, it's we don't have. You know, we can't. We can't stop time it's something we can't do you know we can't turn back time there's a series of things we can't do we can't go back and make ourselves smarter or faster or stronger that we can't do what we can do is listen we can communicate and we can we can work together to find future solutions and i think that once we kind of get to that point where the community says all right we'll give you a shot you guys are professionals you have training we think you're inherently good people in fact, if you think about it. That's what cops are. They're, they're vetted parts of society. Like, you know, like we may only need an active uh, driver's license and a high school equivalent, but. We go through at least a little bit of test to determine we're not crazy and or criminals, you know, as people got to slip through the net on that. Sure. But for the most part, I'd say we're better vetted than any other job in American society other than some secret uh, government agency or something. You know?
1: I think every cop has to acknowledge that they are responsible and everything that they do for the circumstances that we, and I'm not saying the ones now, we're inheriting this garbage that the previous generations dumped on us. We have to fix all this crap that they thought was funny and there was no body-worn cameras and there was no training and they just, you know, it was good enough and it handled this. It was a Band-Aid, Band-Aid, Band-Aid. So we're we're willing to fix that, but every cop listening to this has to recognize that we're not expecting to be perfect, but just remember everything that you do contributes to the detriment or the growth of this profession. And I mean it from how you talk to people. When they're in a car crash, do you express compassion, understanding that, what would it feel like if you hit somebody? And maybe you don't know that they're dealing with extreme financial stress already and now they don't have a car. So you don't have to be a tough guy in a situation like that. And so that person remembers how nice you were during that scenario. Or I saw one of these Northwoods Law things, his his trailer hitch broke off, and his fishing boat like rolled back and like hit a tree. And the cop says to him, "They're all his family pulls up. They're all making fun of him. It's like a big joke." And the cop says, "I can tow your uh, I can tow your boat." He goes, well, "I have nowhere to put it." He goes, "I'll put it in my house. You got to come get it in a couple of days, but it'll be my drive. I'll give my address." And up there, it's obviously a very different situation. Sure. Like, could you imagine in front of the six to eight people that observe this police officer, this conservation officer, this game warden? was so kind, not only to give this guy a tow, but then to leave the boat at his personal house to show, you know, just what do you think that says to those eight people? That says anytime I see a game warden and anybody saying anything bad to a game about a game warden, I'm defending them because of what this yeah. guy did for me. It says everything about it. It says everything about it. I and mean, it's those little things that we do. Like, bro, like, you know, getting somebody the taxi when they need it. You're making the call for them. They can't find it. You know, you just these these things that we do. Hey, I'll give you a ride to the gas station. Hop in the back. I'm not technically supposed to do this. We'll go get a gas can. My buddy's got a garage down the street. Yeah. We just wanted to help people that much. You know, how times I gave a fucking guy locked up a bottle of water after a foot chase. because I just see? He'd be like, I'm like, Here, bro, take some water. Right. It was a hell of a chase, Like, you know, like, really? Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Drink some water. You need water. You're going to start. Just drink some water. Oh, yeah. Appreciate that, bro. Like, hey, listen, it's the game. This doesn't mean I'm not a human being. What do you think that what do you think that interaction back at processing now becomes? Yeah. Because that kind gesture. What I bring four bottles of fucking Poland spring at me every day in a fucking cooler. You know, here, have one. I can stop at 7 Eleven. I never I usually go home with two anyway. Sure. But, you know? I, I can tell you,
0: I, I can tell you a story too. And, and this is this is Googleable Cause when I tell you the story, you're gonna say he has to be exaggerated. There's no way there's a true story. Um you could you could Google it though. We had, a, we had a guy shot uh, a few years ago. I think it was maybe 20, I had to guess. It's 2015, maybe 2016. The guy gets shot, and it goes right through, carries down the street. There's an old guy, mid-60s, walking his dog. And the bullet travels down, hits the dog. And so, get on scene, they're dealing with everything. And basically, it's part of it, because the ambulance is tied up with the humans. Um, guys that I'm working with the squad, they kind of scoop up the dog, throw him in the cruiser, shoot down Angel Memorial, 24-hour you know, trauma animal hospital. So you get in there, they run in with the dog, the owner with them. So anyway, we're back. I'm back and forth between the scene. I'm the supervisor, so we're doing whatever. We're checking in with this hospital throughout the night, though, because obviously we're all like, oh, the dog, you know, check how's the dog going. So we go back a little later. and I'm there for this conversation, so I'm not exaggerating this an inch. Basically, what I think it happens, I think the hospital is probably, because I work in this was an impoverished area that we're in, right, that, for them policing on this night. What I throw my career, but certainly on this night. So I think that the ho- the doctor from the animal hospital was used to individuals coming in with trauma. My dog's been shot. They deal with the immediate, you know, keep the dog alive, sustain life. But then they're used to people not paying the bill. So the doctor basically comes out and he's, I'm there for the conversation. He says to the guy, he goes, um, listen, he says, um, we've done what we can for the dog for the emergency trauma. The dog is stable and will remain stable. He has some shattered bones here. In order for us to actually repair, the damage to the bones, um, we would need uh, some money for that. They said uh, it would be, the doctor wasn't trying to be mean. I think he was trying to be honest with the guy. Like basically what the doctor was saying, if I was a transit because it took him a lot longer than I wanted to take me now. But basically what he was saying is, dude, if you want to dip right now, no one's going to be able to chase you for the money we've already put into the emergency. If you want this dog fixed, we're not doing that one on the arm. you are going to pay. So the guy even says at one point goes out, uh, OK. So the doctor says, OK, so how would you like to pay? And the guy says, pay what? And I remember the number for the rest of my career. It was $3,246. He goes, to continue on treatment, we have the estimate here, it's $3,246. So the owner, the 65-year-old, economically challenged older man, he goes, okay. The doctor says, well, how do you want to pay? The guy says, pay what? I says, sorry, sir, $3,246. He says, well, I don't, I don't have that. So the, the doctor goes, what do you have? And the guy goes, all I have is the dog. And I was like, oh. And I look at, I'm, I'm working with CNI. I'll, I'll give the an answer. It was a good thing they did. It was Brian Smith and, and Dave Lantan. Looked at two of them and they went. I was like, here you go, buddy. I give the guy my credit card. We paid $3,246 on the spot. We paid the, We paid the thing for the dog to get the treatment. And it's funny that when I, when I say it, I know you're probably thinking like, dude, like, I'm talking about buying a bottle of water for a guy here. That, that was a hell of a, how much money are you making up there in Boston, right? I knew that when I went to work tomorrow, right? That my station's got you know a couple hundred cops. I know damn well. I put an envelope. Say, hey, we saved the dog. Everybody throw twenty bucks. This goddamn thing. I knew I was gonna get that money back, if not the bulk of it. And if in the end it was eight hundred bucks on Recovered. I'm splitting that with these two guys here. Yeah, a couple hundred bucks. I knew it on the time. I could care less. I didn't even care about the math. We paid it. Right. It was interesting. Was we didn't look for any fanfare on the story. It was just a cool thing, like kind of in house. But we uh. Someone did get a hold of it and they reached out to like the media rep and wanted to have like a little like news thing. And I wanted nothing to do with it. So I didn't, I didn't go, but they did a little news brief on yes, it's true. The officers paid the, the bill. And what was cool was so many people donated to a fund that got started in the name of it. And I don't want to be wrong on the numbers here. So I'm, this, this is where the first time I'm estimating in the story, but I want to say it was like $140,000 came wow. in. Um, I don't know the exact number, but what I do know is Angel Memorial started a fund for the dog. So they would pay a lifetime of bills for the dog. This guy would never have to pay for bills, but they bought toys. This guy turned out didn't own a cage at home. He just had this like dog, like he's like hooked to the radiator at night, like uh, on his leash. This could do it. He got everything. And um, the guy Dave that I work with uh, did a lot of stuff with dogs. He actually ran the thing called Lily the Hero Pitbull at the time, and he was very into dogs and stuff. But he ends up going by, and they, oh god, they, they furnish this guy. You know what's crazy? You know what the dog's name was? Felony. True story. Dog's <laughs> name was Felony. Um, which which by the way, when I say you can Google this, say Boston cops paid dog vet bill, it names the dog right in the story because I it's funny, I never asked the dog's name the whole time. And it wasn't until I read the article, I was like, <laughs> that's twice as funny. But um, but the more of the story is it was it's like I knew we had resource, this guy did not, you know. And whether I was gonna collect it from the cops back, you know, we paid $3,246 for a dog bill that I knew would affect us nothing. It was a life-altering moment for this guy, certainly a life-altering moment for the dog, you know, and um. It's cool, you know, but also it's good juju in the world, like for, for policing, you know, people read that and go, that must've been a setup. And it wasn't, it wasn't publicity stunt it just popped up and we did it. But, um, but yeah, it's funny. So we, when you talk about like these little extra things, I just think that we need to do a little more PR on that. Cause there's a lot more of that happening than people see. You know, that, that's my story. I'm just one guy, you know what I mean? It's one example from a few years back, but it's funny. If you piece them all together, I think cops are doing well. I think that hope is coming back. And I think that I think that we're on a trajectory to for this this profession to really kind of get back to where we want it to be and where we know it can be.
1: What did the guy say when you paid the bill?
0: I'm gonna see I think it took him a few I I don't want to I, I don't want to speak to his uh his ability to understand things that are going on. Um, but I believe he didn't entirely understand the compensation of the bill until very late. And I think when we paid it, I don't think he realized we paid it right away. I think he thought we like had like a police fund to like cover it. Like I he knew someone paid it and he was very appreciative of it. But I think in his heart, at first you're probably thinking like, why would I pay for an emergency incident? Like I didn't bring this dog in like, no, get shot and were on me. You know what I mean? But I think when it dawned on him, I mean it was wildly appreciative. Like I said, uh, the guy Dave that was following up with him for a little bit, kind of checked in with the dog and stuff. Um I mean, this is the part of the story where I'm supposed to tell you, like, you know, I go every Christmas and I take a picture with the fucking dog. I, I, I haven't <laughs> thought of it since then, um, from being honest. Here. But Dave did. Dave followed up for, for some time, you know. Um, there's others that like I can say. I, I got in a car accident in my cruiser with a woman and I think, I'd say it was 2009, I think, maybe 2008, even earlier than that. And It was a bad one. Uh, and the airbags absolutely saved her life. And um, and I remember she and I were talking at the accident, she was just, very nice lady and very pro police. and She she wasn't mad at me. I was a fault in the accident, by the way, a hundred percent a fault in the accident. And um, and I nearly killed her. There's no doubt about that. She had no injuries, but like her car, like if I could, if I could do a side by side, I had the photo, rate, I And a side by side, but that woman didn't live. And my crew was on the same thing. Um, but we both got out of there with a scratch on us. So we basically kind of had a moment on the side of the road, both going like, you know, you, kinda, you count your parts, you know, you're like, you're like, uh, like how are we all here We're looking at our cars? And she was like, Jesus, she was like, it must be an angel or something over us. Like, oh, my God. So, of course, they do the accident thing. And then I, I, I hugged her, you know, at the end. Thank you. Know, I was weird. Like, I probably get canceled for it now. I gave her a big hug. You know, I, I had to fight here to kiss her on the cheek. because like, we're both alive. And I almost killed you. So, I'm the, I'm the ass. And uh, I ended up sending her a Christmas card that year because I had her address. <laughs> and I was like, I found, like, a card, like, you know, a car or something in it or whatever. And, um. It was cool. She, uh, I, I get my train address. She sent well, one back. I exchanged cards with her for years. And again, this is the part of the story I was supposed to say. Twenty years later, we still talk. I, I probably, I maybe got five, six years out of it. I haven't thought of it since. And she, she clearly moved on and forgot about me. But, um, but they like said there are these little moments, these human moments you have in your career, and you look back on it and you go, that's the cool stuff. You know what I mean? That we tell these hero stories about some some dude jumped ass with a Mac Ten and you know pulled a Pulp Fiction, shot the entire wall and the silhouette of Bugs Bunny and didn't hurt us. And those are
1: cool too. But, um, yes, yeah, so. I You know, you know, so I, I'm going to give some people advice here. And I know a lot of younger police officers listen to this. Um, there is nothing more appreciative from a person in society that after you do something, you can't take back you did something that was fucking stupid or fucked up or like mean or rude. But what you can do is apologize. And I remember merging on from Green Street to Route Nine South where I worked. And this guy was like literally. I don't know if he's waiting for clearance from the airport to get out there. And I hit the air horn. I'm like, nah, right. And I'm like, boop, boop, like, come on, bro. Like I'm like, on the like loudspeaker. And so I actually pulled him over and I came to the car and I said, you're not being stopped for a traffic violation. He goes, Oh, thank God. I go. I am so fucking sorry for literally acting like an asshole behind you. I should have never been hitting the horn. I knew you were taking your time. I just want to apologize. He's like, are you serious? And I'm like, Dude, I'm I'm he's like I appreciate it, man. He's like I really mean it really means a lot to me. I go, I had a moment. I'm having a tough day. I had a lot going on today and I was in a rush and I hit that air horn and I am probably scared you and I'm sorry. And he was like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "Um, I forgive you." And I'm like, I, "That means a lot to me. Have a good one, brother." Awesome. It's a, it's a real story, man. I really pulled him over awesome. just to apologize to him. But anyway, listen, it's 4:39 Eastern Standard Time and uh, I have kids who might be getting promoted to jujitsu jitsu tonight. And I, I don't want to miss that. So um I'm very proud of them. And um I've been putting all the time in. So their mother does not get the ability to watch this happen without me being there. So and she and she doesn't like jujitsu anyway. So anyway, dude, uh it was a pleasure again. Thanks, Bella. We'll yeah. talk soon. You soon. Yeah, give me a call anytime. Hey, guys, check out our upcoming training at StreetCop.com. Don't forget, we have 50 instructors nationally teaching a variety of topics. These are the best classes you're going to experience in your career. We make sure of it. You're going to love it. I guarantee you you're going to be thankful that you went. Check us out at StreetCop.com for all upcoming classes in your area.